everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we are finishing our series on Rethinking Christmas and looking at Jesus as the Savior for the world. My power is back on, and I'm actually recording this from my house, well, my mother-in-law's house, in her office. So once again, if the sound sounds different, it's because I'm not in the same place I normally record. However, we are looking forward to being in our new home within the next month, month and a half. So very soon, I'll be recording in my new office. Yay! Until then, it will be hit or miss, here, there, whatever. This is our last episode for 2021. And I'm going to be taking a break and bringing it back in 2022. Season six is going to explore more of my experiences within Bill Gothard's Institute and Basic Life Principles, talking a little bit about the Duggar family and just kind of the understanding where they are and why they are maybe just based on the things that I have in common with them. And also just talking about why do we get involved in these kinds of things? Why are we drawn into these culty situations? I think about Mars Hill Church. I think about the podcast that just finished there. I think about other churches like that that tend to have this kind of a culty experience where you are expected to follow a certain set of behaviors and rules. I think about my experience in my culty situation, and I wonder why are we like this as people? Why are we continue to be drawn into these situations? So we're going to explore all of that in season six, starting in January, probably the second week of January. I don't imagine I'll have a podcast that first weekend just because it's still Christmas break and all that good stuff. So expected the second week of January. So guys, today we're going to just talk about Jesus again and Christmas. And, you know, Christmas time is kind of this warm, fuzzy, cozy experience, or it's supposed to be. We see that in the movies. We see that in the advertisements. We see that in people's Pinterest and Instagram. And we're looking for this kind of magical experience at Christmas time. And I feel like more than any other time of the year, it's almost like we're reaching for what we've lost as humanity. Like in our hearts, we know there's something that's not right. And at Christmas, we reach for that just a little bit more. And we try to pull in this just sense of you know belonging and home and comfort and safety. And we're really looking for this magical paradise that we've lost. And so here I am on our last Christmas episode, and we're not going to be talking about magic and comfort and, you know, peace and all these good feelings. Because if we're really going to understand and appreciate baby Jesus, we have to look at the true wonder of Christmas. And with that is kind of some uncomfortable and unpopular truths that God has this thing called wrath. And as much as we don't like the idea of wrath, It's all through scripture, all through the Old Testament. We talk about God's wrath. And I think our biggest problem with wrath is that we only see it from a broken human perspective. We think of the word wrath and we think of somebody who is just like out of control, angry and like abusing people and beating people up and stuff like that. And that is not wrath (laughs) because God is not a broken, sinful person. And yes, wrath is a deep deep feeling and it's big and it's not comfortable. And yes, it is anger, 
but it's not the kind of anger that we humans think of when we think of wrath. And God's wrath, his anger towards sin, his anger towards just the mess this world is in, his anger towards the way people hurt each other. It's just and it's righteous and it's good. I know that it's hard for us to understand that as broken people, but I think we have to come to it with that perspective. Like I am a broken person and I don't understand God's wrath because all I can see it from is my broken perspective. And so rather than just pushing it off and saying, this is kind of yucky, we're not going to talk about this. God is just love and he likes us and it's all good. Like we really have to understand all the different aspects of God in order to really have a clear picture of who he is, in order for us to really understand Jesus. We like the idea of justice these days in our culture, as long as it's the justice we want. So there's lots of social justice. The idea is that we're looking for this equity and this equality, and we're trying to make things right, and it's not okay to hurt people, and it's not okay to reject people, or you know, not accept people. We have a lot of ideas of justice. We like this justice, but we don't necessarily like a God of justice, because we want those people to get justice, and we don't want us to get justice. But guys, if God is going to be a God of love, he also has to be a God of justice, of true justice, where he says, this is right and this is wrong and that is not going to happen. There has to be justice. And that's going to come across a little harsh and a little uncomfortable to us and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Can't you just be like this nice God of love? No. If he's going to be a God of love, he has to be a God of justice. Because if you truly love somebody, you are not going to be okay with them being hurt. And you are not going to be okay with them being broken and, and, and like things are falling apart and you're like, that's not okay. Like you want what's best for them. You want good. You want to bring peace. You want to bring love, but it's going to be through justice. God is holy and we don't like this. <laughs> we want God to be kind of like us, but in truth, he's not. He's perfect and he's very much unlike us, which is truly what holiness means. It's set apart. It's different. And God is a God of righteousness, of perfection, of goodness, of holiness. And once again, these are things that we don't understand because of our broken, fallen humanity. We see things through a broken picture, through a broken mirror, where we can't see the full picture because of our sin and our brokenness and the fact that we are automatically enemies of God. And yet, these are truths that we can hold on to. We can say, okay, on one hand, I don't get this, but on the other hand, I'm going to hold on to this and I'm going to believe it. And so there's this tension. And that's, that's the awkward middle way, guys. That's, that's where grace and truth collides in this place of just tension and like uncomfortableness. And like, I don't understand, but I'm going to go ahead and just believe this anyway, even though it doesn't make sense. And for us to recognize that like, we are not the supreme beings, that we're not going to always get everything, that there is a God who's bigger than us, who's smarter than us, who knows more than us, who is different from us. That's kind of hard for us to grasp because it takes humility. It just stands in the way of our pride and it says, you, you're not all it. Like you don't have it all. There's someone more than you and bigger than you who understands things different from you. And you have to just accept that fact. And it's not that you're like blind faith where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to believe without thinking. We're thinking, we're wrestling through this. And at the same time, we're willing to just take that tension, that paradox, that mystery and say, all right, like, okay. I'm going to go with this. I don't get it fully, but I'm going to go with it because I believe in a God is bigger than my own reasoning and my own understanding. And even though it doesn't make sense to me, if you say this is true, then okay, we're going to, we're going to wrestle through this and figure out what this means. From the very beginning, God talked about punishment for sin. 
And I believe in a very real Garden of Eden with very real humans that God created there. Like for real, not just like mythical and not just, you know, well, kind of is what it meant. No, I, I believe in real humans and a real God and a real Garden of Eden. And I think we have to because our theology starts there with who God is and what happened in the Garden of Eden, how he made them to be in communion with him, in relationship with him, knowing him intimately. And then sin broke that and separated us from God. Because from the very beginning, there was this idea of, of punishment, like of consequences. God told Adam and Eve, if you eat this tree, you will die. And Adam and Eve ate the tree and someone had to die. And from the very beginning of history, we see this sacrificial substitution that happens. Someone has to die. And yet Adam and Eve stay alive for like hundreds of more years. And animals died so that God could make them clothes. God clothes them with animal skins. Well, he doesn't just peel off the skin and leave the animal running around. He obviously has to kill this animal, make these skin clothings, and, and the animals die and Adam and Eve are clothed, which is such a picture. It's such a picture. And we see that kind of picture all throughout the Old Testament. Someone has to die. Abraham takes his son Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah where God had told him to sacrifice him. Kill your one and only son, Abraham. Ironically, this is where God kills his one and only son years later. And they get there and Abraham has faith and he believes that God is going to either restore his son or step in somehow. He gets ready to kill his son and God provides a ram and the ram dies. Someone has to die. We see that throughout the sacrifices in the tabernacle and the temple. We see that at Passover when Israel is leaving Egypt and God is about to kill the firstborns of Egypt. And he says, kill the lamb, paint the lamb's blood over your doorposts and you'll be saved. Someone has to die. This is not pretty. This is not comfortable and happy and warm and fuzzy feeling kind of Christmassy, but it's reality. And if we're going to understand Christmas and we're going to appreciate Christmas, we have to see the reality. And guys, we don't, we don't like death and wrath and justice, unless it's for those people over there that we don't like. But it's, it's uncomfortable and it makes us feel awkward and, and sad and all these feelings we don't like to feel. And yet, in Jesus, God's wrath collides with his love. Someone has to die, he says. So it will be me. Guys, that kind of love is like inconceivable for us humans. Someone has to die. So it will be me. I will become a human. I will live with them. And then I will die for them. And that was God's plan from the very beginning. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand it. And yet I'm okay with a God who's bigger than me and who understands things that I don't understand. Baby Jesus came to die, guys. That baby in a manger, wrapped in those beautiful strips of linen that Mary made for him, his whole purpose in life was to die. Jesus did a lot of things while he walked on earth. I mean, he was here for 33 and a half years, take her, you know, thereabouts. Most of that, he wasn't even in public ministry, so we don't really know what he did for 30 years. But he lived with us. He had relationships with us. He worked with us. He had family, he had friends, he had a community in the town of Nazareth. Just a normal human guy, it seemed. And yet he was also God who came to die. His ultimate purpose was death. 
John 3, 16 through 18 is one of my favorite passages of all time. And I'm going to quote it to you so it may or may not be like word perfect. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to punish us. He didn't come to send his wrath upon us. He could have, but he didn't. He came to live with us and he came to die for us. And that's not popular or comfortable right now. The idea of God having to die for the sins of the world is just not a popular idea. There are a lot of Christians who are trying to kind of push that off and say it doesn't really mean anything, like whatever. But guys, the truth of the matter is there was a historical guy named Jesus of Nazareth. Whether or not you believe in who he was, God or not, but he existed and he is a part of secular history. Josephus writes about him and he was crucified. That is a historical fact. He was arrested, beaten, and crucified. And what happened after that (laughs) is up for debate. I mean, like the secular people don't think he rose again from the dead and they don't think that he was God and they don't think that he provided salvation for the world. But if we believe that he rose from the dead, resurrected, restored, and we believe that he was God, that changes everything. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. He had fulfilled the purpose for which he came. Born as a baby, humble and lowly, in a town that wasn't even his, to a woman that looked like was illegitimately pregnant, announced not to kings or the rich and famous, but to humble peasant shepherds, welcomed by Gentiles, growing up as a nobody in a nothing town, and yet completely changing the world. People who have met Jesus are not the same. Whether you met him 2,000 years ago in the flesh, or whether you've met him in the spirit <laughs> these days and you're like, I've encountered someone that I don't know what's going on here, but my life is not the same anymore. In Jesus, guys, God's wrath and his love collided. And he said, someone has to die, so it's going to be me. And I am going to pay for the sins of the world. So everyone who believes in me will not be condemned, but will be brought back into a restoration relationship with the God who made them and who loves them and who wants to know them. It's not a comfortable story. It's not a popular story. It's not something people want to talk about these days, but this is the creeds of the faith. This is the core of Christianity. And as we deconstruct and reconstruct our faith, if we build that around anything else except for this, it's going to fall apart. So often religion turns it into something you have to do. A God that wants to be appeased Do these things that you'll appease the God. And Jesus said, there's nothing you can do to appease me. (laughs) I shall appease myself. And because of his immense love for us, he took the punishment that we deserved. And he freely gives us the life that we don't deserve, but that he wants us to have. And it is indeed a free gift, guys. And that is the best gift of Christmas. That God loved us enough to become one of us. To die for us. To rise again. And to offer that gift of a relationship with him for eternity, starting now and lasting forever, if we will only accept it. 
And that, my friends, is the magic of Christmas. And with that, I truly hope that you have a wonderful holiday. Hope that you find time to rest and ponder and wonder. I hope you enjoy all the fun and the craziness and the cookies and the presents and the family and everything else. And if you're not, if you're lonely this Christmas, if you're disappointed, if you're stressed, if you're sad, if you're hurting, if you're broken, then I hope you can take this time to just realize that you have been given the most amazing gift of all because Jesus loves you and he'll be with you no matter what happens in this broken world. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylindwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.